Chapter 1. Here Comes Charlie. These two very old people are the father and mother of Mr. Bucket. Their names are Grandpa Joe and Grandma Josephine. And these two very old people are the father and mother of Mrs. Bucket. Their names are Grandma George and Grandpa, Grandpa Georgina. This is Mr. Bucket and this is Mrs. Bucket. Mr. and Mrs. Bucket have a small boy whose name is Charlie Bucket. And this is Charlie. How do you do? And how do you do, a, do again? He is pleased to meet you. The whole of this family, the six growing up, count them. And little Charlie Bucket lived together in a small wooden house on the edge of a great town. The house wasn't nearly enough room for so many people, and life was extremely uncomfortable for them all. There were only two rooms in the place, all together, and there was only one bed. The bed was given to the four old grandparents because they were so old and tired. They were so tired they never got out of it. Grandpa Joe and Grandma Josephine on this side, Grandpa George and Grandma Georgina on this side. Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Bucket and little Charlie Bucket slept on the floor in the other room upon, upon mattresses on the floor. In the summertime, this wasn't too bad. But in the winter, freezing cold draughts blew across the floor all night long, and it was awful. There wasn't any question of them being able to buy a better house, or even one more bed to sleep on. They were far too poor for that. Mr. Bucket was the only person in the family with a job. He worked in a toothpaste factory where he sat all day long at a bench and screwed the little caps on the tube on the tops of the tubes of toothpaste after the tubes had been filled. But toothpaste cap screw was ne never paid very much money. And poor Mr. Bucket, however, however hard he worked and however fast he screwed on the caps, was never able to make enough money to buy one half of the things that so large of a family needed. There wasn't even enough money to buy proper food for them all. The only, only meals they could afford were bread and margarine for breakfast, boiled potatoes and cabbage for lunch, and cabbage soup for supper. And Sundays were a bit better. They all looked forward to Sundays. Because then, although they had exactly the same, everyone was allowed a second helping. The buckets, of course, didn't starve. But every one of them, the two old grandfathers, the two old grandmothers, Charlie's father, Charlie's mother, and especially little Charlie himself, went about from morning till night with a horrible, empty feeling in their tummy. Charlie felt it worst of all, and those father and mother, the greatest inventor and maker of chocolates there has ever been, and what a tremendous marvellous place it was, had huge iron gates leading into it, and a high wall surrounding it. It had smoke belching from its chimneys, and strange whizzing sounds coming from it deep inside. And, and outside the walls, for half a mile around it, in every direction, the air was scented with the heavy, rich smell of melting chocolate. Twice a day, on his way to and from school, little Charlie Bucket had to walk past the gates of the factory, and every time he went by, he would begin to walk very, very slowly, and he would hold his nose high in the air and take long, deep sniffs of the gorgeous chocolatey smell all around him, and oh, how he loved that smell, and oh, how he wished he could go inside the factory and see what it was like often went without their own share of lunch or supper so they could give it to him. It still wasn't nearly enough for a growing boy. He desperately wanted something more filling and satisfying than cabbage and cabbage soup.
The one thing is he longed for one one thing more than anything else, and that was chocolate. Walking to school in the morning, Charlie would see great slabs of chocolate piled up high in the shop windows. He would stop and stare and press his nose against the glass, his mouth watering like it like mad many times a day. He would see other children taking bars of creamy chocolates out of their pockets and munching on them greedily, and that, of course, was pure torture. Only once a year on his birthday did Charlie Bucket ever get to taste a bit of chocolate. The whole family saved up their money for that special occasion, and when that great day arrived, Charlie was always presented with one small chocolate bar to eat all by himself, and each time he received it on those marvellous birthday mornings, he would place it carefully into a small wooden box that he owned and treasure it as if it were a bar of solid gold. And for the next few days, he would allow himself only to look at it, but never to touch it. Then at last, when he could stand it no longer, he would peel back a tiny bit of paper wrapping at one corner and expose a tiny bit of chocolate, and then he would take a tiny, tiny nibble just enough to allow this lovely sweet taste to spread all out slowly over his tongue. The next day, he would take another tiny, tiny nibble, and so on, and so on. And this way, Charlie would make it his six-penny bar of chocolate to last him for more than a month. But I haven't yet told you about one awful thing that tortured him. Charlie, the lover of chocolate more than anything else the thing for him was far far worse than seeing slabs of chocolate in the windows or watching other children munching on the bars of creamy chocolate right in front of him it was the most terrible torturing thing you could ever imagine and this was the town itself was actually inside of the house where charlie where charlie lived was an enormous chocolate factory just imagine that and it wasn't simply just an ordinary enormous chocolate factory either it was the largest and most famous chocolate factory in, in the whole wide world. It was Wonka's factory, owned by a man called Mr. Willy Wonka.